So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. All right, everybody, it's Friday, and uh, I've got a good friend of mine uh, that I recently uh, that was able to hang out with up in northern BC when I went on my goat hunt, and uh, that's Ron Nemechek with North River Outfitters. What's cracking? It's outfitting. What did I say? Uh, you said outfitters. Outfitting. I was close. <laughs> yeah, well, if somebody else... Somebody else decided they needed outfitters because I had the outfitting. So you know how it is. There's always somebody trying to yeah. carve a little around the edges <laughs> for themselves. Yeah. So no, North River outfitting. Um, and uh, Ron and Marie, I met them. Oh, I was up there early, late August or not late August, late July, early August. And uh, was able to go on a mountain goat hunt and uh, help out on some other hunts. But Ron, you've been doing this a long time. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and about your, your outfits. Uh, well, you know, I, uh, oh, I, I got out of high school and I decided I was going to go in a different route. And some folks came to me and decided that, or said, you know, they, they knew I hunted a lot and they asked if I'd take some of their friends hunting and one thing led to another. And now it's 45 years later and I'm still taking folks hunting. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. We've, we've, you know, my wife and I have been running hunts all over my goodness from Mexico to, to Alaska and everywhere in between, but we've always stuck with Alberta and, and uh, British Columbia pretty much with the whitetails. And of course, with my flying and everything else, I can get a job uh, working for anybody, anytime, if I got to fill in the blanks. So that makes a big difference. But the, the uh, 45 years, and I'm not tired of it yet. So I'd say that's pretty good career choice. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good, good career choice. And yeah, you've been all over the place, but what, um, with what you've got going on now, tell everybody about that, what you offer at North river, as well as the whitetail stuff. All right. Well, um, what we do in, in, uh, Northern British Columbia. So we're right near the, the Yukon border in the Cassiar mountains in British Columbia. And we offer a myriad of different hunts and outdoor adventures. Um, uh, of course, a little bit of fishing, and and then uh, hunting-wise, we do some stone sheep and some um, mountain goat, uh, mountain caribou, and moose, and that that keeps us pretty busy. Uh, we we've they've shut down our grizzly hunting right now, but um, you know, hopefully one day they'll they'll come around and realize that we have got a tremendous population of, of grizzlies. In fact, they're going to, they're going to have to start doing something to curb the grizzly population or, or we are going to be completely overrun. I know I've had a few clients over the last number of years that said, boy, I'd really like to come up there and go on a grizzly hunt. And I tell them, well, book a, book a, a, a moose hunt or something. 
And it's like, but I want to shoot a grizzly. I said, oh, wow, you know, there's a good chance you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to chase after you. The, uh, that's funny. Uh, the, when I was up there, I, I'd known Maguela for a long time, your daughter, uh, just from the shows and wearing our packs and stuff. But, um, I'd never met you in Maria and, and really, you know, I knew a little bit about the area, but not great depths. Um, I was I was a uh, very pleasantly surprised. It was pretty amazing area. You're in a really remote spot, uh, which was cool. And then obviously, um, I was a bit. I'm a bit more enamored over mountain goats than Ron. Ron's more of a sheep guy, but your your goat hunting was uh, pretty spectacular. I was I was surprised, and uh, it's. I mean, <clears throat> I say you're more of a. You kind of look at them as a white fuzzy animal. Um, but I mean, you've got to have some of the bigger goats around. It seemed like to me. Well, I think the reason being <clears throat> that uh, we, we've we've got pretty big goats is because of the age. Um, the general thinking is is you know the further inland you go for goats, the the smaller your goats are. The closer you get to the coast, because of the rich feed. Um, the the bigger your goats are, uh, at, you know, given a certain age. Well, I'm kind of in the middle area, so I'm I'm close to the to the coast, but not that close where I get those you know coastal features that that give you all the extra rain and all the extra um, snow and stuff like that. So I'm kind of I don't, I'm not in a big snow belt, but our goats live a long time. So not only do we, you know, at, at six years old, you can have a huge, huge goat, but uh, there's no reason unless they, the wolves get them or something or a grizzly or they fall off a cliff, they, they, they should live till 10 or 12 or 14 years old. That in itself gives us the advantage of, of getting bigger and older goats. And of course, the older they get, the bigger they get in general, you know, unless you get, they're not like people where you start to shrink when you get old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how long have you had, uh, North river? Um, how long have you been operating that? I've been operating North river for, for 45 years. Um, and we've, you know, been pretty successful at it. And I've been I've been running in, in different areas all that time. We've had this particular area we're talking about now uh, for 12 years. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll be doing it for a lot longer yet. I am getting older, but and I'm starting to shrink, but I haven't shrunk that much yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you've, like you said kind of briefly earlier, you've been all over the place but yeah um, talk about before we move on to that i guess uh your whitetail hunting when i when i was at camp you had asked me if you know you're like oh you whitetail hunt yeah and you had thrown some numbers out in your area and i initially thought you were totally full of shit and then uh, saw some photos you, you kill some hammers in there um tell everybody where that's at and uh, a little bit about it um yeah we're in northern alberta and I've been doing the whitetail hunts here, well, since I started in 79. So I've been at it quite a while. I'm getting the, the different spots figured out slowly. The, we've got, 
Well, I, most years we crack 200 uh, on one or two deer. Uh, this year we didn't. We cracked 170 on a couple, but uh, we only had a handful of hunters this 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 year. But uh, the the deer population here, you know, it, it, oddly enough, deer they're just like rabbits. It doesn't matter. A lot of folks think that uh, oh well, you get a hard winter and you got a lot of winter kill and this sort of thing. Well, fortunately for us, we're not in one of those areas that really <laughs> gets severe winter kills. Uh, we don't get the, the worst of the weather that Alberta or, or other provinces or state uh, states get. Well, yeah, or even as, even as bad a winters as some uh, this province even gets. It just we happen to be in an area that just doesn't get the worst of it. We might get a couple of feet of snow and 40 or 50 below for a month a year. But uh, other than that, no, really not too bad. I mean, the, the whitetails can handle, um, which is probably a big surprise to a lot of folks. I mean, the weather isn't what, what causes uh, wintertime mortality. Most of the time, it's, it's the crusting in the spring. Uh, when your when your snow melts down, and then it and then it crusts over really hard, and on the back of um, a, a deer's legs, it's very very tender on the in behind their hocks and even their front their front legs. So they'll get to a point where they're walking through this crusty snow, and when you go up and down the trails in the spring, you can see a lot of blood on these trails, and it's because of the back of their legs, and it'll get to a point where the deer will literally just stand there and die. They, 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 they can't handle uh, that, that uh, scraping on the backs of the legs. It's really quite surprising, but getting back to the winter kill that, that we, we have had in, in like this area, we had a winter kill here about, Oh, about 12 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, something like that. And it had nothing to do with um, the winter. We we had probably three inches of snow that entire winter. It's just deer are in cycles, and they're like rabbits. You get more, you get less. You get more, you get less. And, you know, that's what we had. And even on a down cycle, we still have lots and lots of deer. So we're we're certainly not short of them, and we've got so much country to available to us to hunt that if one spot maybe they you know got hit hard well it doesn't matter go 10 or 20 miles down the road or 80 miles down the road and they didn't get hit hard over there so we got lots of deer what's your the biggest deer you've taken out of there uh, the biggest deer the biggest grossing deer we've ever taken was uh 256 it was um uh, a really really big non-typical it just you know it wasn't one of those deals where boy we spotted them and we've been watching them and you know and i've got a great big story behind it and we just kind of had our stand set up and deer walked by and the guy shot it and wow you start adding up those points and they really do add up there was one here Oh, seven or eight years ago that we, we were on and we watched him 
Oh boy, I've seen him a lot of times. And it got right down till the last day of the season and all my hunters were done and we had never got the deer. We got on them a number of times. It was <clears throat> unquestionably the biggest non-typical I've ever seen. It looked like one of them farm-raised deer or something. It just had points going in every direction, lots of them. And the last day I said, well, you know, that's a lot of times I get to go hunting. So I, I went out and, and I spotted the deer and he was the only one in the field and with the doe. And I thought, well, you know, here's, here's my chance. So I snuck through the wood line and went for about, about half an hour sneaking up on him. And finally I get up and I see a doe pass through the woods, um, you know, out in the field, but I'm in the woods sort of thing. And, and so I got all lined up and sure enough, I seen horns and boom, shoot. And that's great. So I park my gun beside the tree and I walk out there and I lift up this thing and it's about a, a low one seventies. And I'm like, what on earth happened? I don't need one like this, you know? And unfortunately I hear him, I turn around and look, and I guess there was two bucks and he was standing about, I don't know, 30 or 40 yards from me, just looking at me. And I'm looking back at my gun. It's about 50 yards away. And let's say he's 50 yards away. And I'm trying to think if I can make it. Now, I know that ain't right, but I'm still tempted. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, and even a, a 170 is not exactly a slouch, so that thing must have been a giant. Oh, it was. It was. I, w I would guess it would have been 300 anyway. I've, n I've never seen anything quite like that one. And we've taken some pretty big typicals. I think our biggest netting typical would be 204 and change. Um and it was controversial because I had him at 207, but uh, the official scores differed with my opinions, uh, yeah. which I think there's only really one opinion that matters and everybody else should listen to me. <laughs> when you, you said when you <laughs> shot the, the 257, that wasn't uh, no real buildup guy just went out, sat there and got lucky and flipped one over and it was 257. Yeah. It, it you know, it's, it's it's underwhelming a little bit when you when you get a deer of that magnitude there's got to be a backstory and no not so much it just kind of tripped over it and and that's how it happens if it if it wasn't for luck i don't know what some of us would have you know yeah <laughs> luck is when preparation and opportunity meet that's true but we we do rely on the on the preparation and opportunity turning into luck a lot with hunting yeah, no, that's a that's a fact. Did the guy know what he was shooting at? Like, did he did he? Uh, I mean, did he have an idea how big it was? Actually, no. He seen uh, he he just seen mass and 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 you know he really really didn't have uh, much of an idea. Which you'd be surprised how often that that happens. Uh, how often it happens? There's I try and coach the the folks, especially the guys who haven't been here before. Um, to, you know, quit hunting score and just hunt mass. If you hunt mass, <laughs> you're not going to be disappointed, even if it doesn't score huge, because all of a sudden it's a massive, you know, four by four that's mid one fifties. And, you know, you can't get your hands around the, the, the horns 
Well, he's still a tremendous deer regardless of the score. Uh, we've taken lots of 170s that aren't even close to being as good as deer in the mid-150s that are so massive. So, And more often than not, though, you'll find that um, if you hunt mass, you're going to get a big surprise. You, you don't get the ground shrinkage you, you get when you analyze and analyze and analyze them and decide, okay, I know exactly what I'm I'm doing, usually you're wrong. I, I've just hunt the mass and you're going to, you don't have to analyze so much. You get a lot more opportunity. And by the time you figure out it is a big one, usually it's gone anyway. So hunt mass, you, you, you'll be a hero all the time. You'll be my hero all the time too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So you've got uh, the whitetail uh, area, and then you've got this spot up in North River. But you said, how long? You worked in Alaska quite a bit before and did some uh, bear outfitting guiding as well, hadn't you? Yeah, we did, uh, you know, some brown bear hunts on the peninsula, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, I was young in my career, and I had uh, gone in and bought, a, bought an area with a guy out there, and and all the hoops you got to jump, jump through the, well, I don't know what it's like nowadays for, to get a, a working visa in the, in, in Alaska, but it was, it wasn't that hard back then. I think it's probably much harder for a Canadian now. I, I really don't know, but, um, I did that for a few years and, uh, well, some of these crusty old guys, you know, they get hard to work with as a young man when you want to you know, conquer mountains and stuff like that. So we ended up letting it go, but I got some great adventures. I had, uh, uh, I had some guy from, Oh, kind of a neat story. Um, we were hunting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recall. We're, we're looking at a bear. It's about a 10 foot bear. It was a pr- pretty good sized bear. And we had been watching and watching and this, this guy was from South America or Spain or something like that. Either way, and we had figured, okay, mate, let's make a run at this bear. And we got way up the mountain and, and uh, we're, we're, I had to sneak through this alder patch. And it was just a small alder patch. And, anyway, and then when we come out on the other side, we would have been within shooting range. Well, we climbing up this steep little bank in the alder patch <clears throat> I, I I don't know if I've told you this story. Anyway, the I, I I lift my head up on this little mound and I look I don't know two or three feet in front of me and I can see the uh, the, the bear's back foot. Um, the, he's stretched out, just laying there. Bears generally, uh, you know, they don't curl up like a cat. They a lot of times lay down flat with their legs stretched out behind them. And, uh, you know, I just, of course, all my blood stopped pumping, you know, cause I figured, well, we're dead. And, uh, so I'm motioning to the client, we got to back out of here right now. Like, you know, without saying it, he whispers in my ear, how big is it? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to leave him there. I mean, <laughs> How we got out of there and survived it, I don't know. We we ended up not getting that bear either, but uh, he, I I don't know he, what he thought we were going to do, but we certainly weren't going to shoot it right in those tight quarters. And 
Oh, we've had a few. I had another case where we we had a bear charge us. It was a really big bear. Um, and the bear charged us. And when the shooting was all over, I looked for the hunter and he was gone. He had gone back to camp and um, told everybody I was dead. So <laughs> that 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 wasn't too good. And I had, and then he was all upset with me when I did show up alive and I had to bring his hide out in two, two different pieces. Cause it was kind of wet and it was kind of big. And, you know, I had to bring his gun and everything else he had left there. So, um, uh, so I had cut it in half and he was a little upset about that, but Oh, well, I'm sure he got over it. I guess he got, I'm sure he got over it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had some interesting stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, too interested in getting in the middle of all that stuff again. I'm getting too old for that, but I do a little bit of guiding. I spend most of my time doing all the flying, uh, for the clients and my kids and, and everybody. And, and hopefully I think we're, we're getting you all lined up to come up there and guide this next year. So that, that, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. And that, uh, you know, your area, you've got a wheel plane and a, and a float plane. Um, how, I mean, how, it's hard to explain. If you've never been in any of those areas up there, especially somebody from the lower 48, how vast some of those, like, your area is. And I would assume, I mean, how long did it take you to get your head wrapped around that that area? And I would imagine there's spots you still haven't even in, been to, but that had to have been a quite the overtaking to get that figured out. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Fortunately for, for, for me, I've been doing it all my life from one area to the next. Um, so I, you know, you, I already have a pretty good understanding of, of the, the way the wildlife moves and what I should expect and places that I, I would say, no, no, this is going to be good for me. Maybe it's, you know, and, and the places they, they used to hunt, I don't like that, so I'm just not going to hunt in those places. Uh, that said, oh, I've got, I still haven't seen all the area we have available to us, most certainly, and I doubt I ever will. Um, but places that I have picked for hunting of every species, I still haven't made it into lots of those places because I've never had a reason to have to go. And that, and that goes to sheep, moose, goat, caribou, um, well, grizzly now, well, we can't hunt them now, but still, uh, we've got unbelievable vast amounts of country. According to the biologists that I've talked to in British Columbia, we have the only natural herds in British Columbia because it's not, what I mean by natural herds is um, it's not influenced by, uh, you know, uh, perhaps over harvesting with uh, residents or what have you coming in and, and over hunting a, a given spot just because it's so hard to access. So we're incredibly remote. And even with that remoteness, you'd think, well, somebody could go the extra mile and go in there. Not necessarily. You'd have to have my kind of planes with, with 
my skill set. I'm sure there's lots of people with my skill set out there, but uh, why, if, if you're running a commercial aviation business, you're not going to go into business running small Super Cubs and PA-12s and, and stuff like that. You need bigger aircraft where, you know, a Beaver or an Otter or a 185, well, they're just, they can't get into the places that I go. So it gives us a great advantage where we don't run into residents or other people. You know, it's it's not that, um, you know, they certainly have the right to go and hunt and enjoy the outdoors uh, anywhere they, they, they want to. But there's lots of other options that they can get into where our country, if they try, they're mostly going to fail because it's just so, so difficult, which is our advantage. No, it, it, uh, and it is extremely, um, it's a va- it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy area. And I, I didn't get to see that. My, you know, I, I went on a few hunts with you guys and then obviously the one on my own, but, um, you know, I, I'd met you guys actually through, through Bart. And when, you know, I had, uh, you know, booked the hunt, I was going to get, you know, it was going to be me and Kendall, um, and potentially, uh, bear, uh, the guy that owns born primitive. But anyway, it ended up just, just Bart and I went and, uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, we were on two massive mountain goats with multiple others with, you know, kind of a hop, skip and a jump. I don't know what it is, a mile or two up and over the mountain range and dropped into that, that long kind of valley on the other side. And, uh, Right. It was, it was, I was, when I first pulled a spotter up on those goats, I was like, wow, those both look over 50 inches pretty, pretty easily. And, uh, there was a few other ones in there, right. in that, that size, you know, that, that caliber, but a little bit younger, um, you know, so that was kind of my first, like, you know, whatever experience seeing the goats and some of the terrain, but some of that stuff we were in hadn't really been hunted much, had it? I would think if it it was, <laughs> um, I know where you and Kendall went. Um, according to, I talked to um, the guy who, who was uh, the old owner, let's say, but his father used to own it. His father's passed away now. Um, his, uh, that area where you guys went, no one had ever been there hunting for any reason prior to you being there. Cause I asked him specifically about that mountain range. It looked pretty good. I, I said, you know, what, what, what kind of game have you got in there? What, what was it like? And he's been pretty open to working with me. And, um, he said, to be honest with you, we were never on that range ever. And these guys were there since the sixties. So, and I know the, the, the owner that owned it previous to us buying it, he had never been in there either. So I don't believe in the, in that particular piece, anybody has ever hunted there. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's good or bad. But I, th- I think you guys seen quite a few goats in there, didn't you? Yeah, we did. And, it, you know, it seemed like an earlier season uh, area, like where we were at uh, initially, there was an insane amount of, of sign. But it was a little bit older where I think they'd moved up and over into that other mountain range. But, I mean, we saw, 
the first area that um, you had dropped us off at, we saw decent amount of goats, but the second area we went to, that was a totally different story. That had, well, I think in the photos, I probably had photos of four different goats over 50, um, you know, cer- certainly right in that caliber. And then the one he, Kendall, killed was, I think it was 13 years old and... I'm not mistaken, it was right at 52 inches. And I think we passed up one that was bigger. In fact, I don't know if I told you or, or Bart or what when I got back, but I was like, I, I fucked up. Like, we should have probably shot this other goat, which is a good problem to have. Well, you might not know it, but but you, as far as you effing up goes, I mean, it's not something you have to tell us. We pretty much know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you don't get to see goats like that very often. You know what I mean? Like it, for me, we woke up the, you know, you dropped us off and the hike up, there was a little bit of a kick in the dick. And uh, yeah, next morning I woke up to get, make everybody coffee. And, and uh, yeah, I looked up and there was a monster goat. I don't know, 80 yards from the tent, maybe, maybe a hundred. I don't, I didn't range it. And so I got Kindle. I woke him up, you know, and I'm, watching this goat. And I was like, man, I really don't want the, this hunt to end already. I want to look at this area. So I'm like, well, let's just, don't worry about it. We'll, you know, don't shoot. We'll see if we can find a, a bigger one. And you know, the entire day I'm like, man, I really hope I didn't screw this up. And we had, we had passed on a few other goats and then ended up killing that one. So yeah, it was pretty impressive area. Is that the one you're talking about? Nobody had ever really hunted in there before. That's right. And, um, Nobody, as far as I know, had ever really walked those mountains. Uh, that said, I'm I'm kind of anxious. Um, I I need to build a, a wheel strip on the other side, or I don't know how long of a hike that would be. But that'd be kind of interesting to get onto the other side of that mountain that you were facing when you went in. Um, I've flown by it, and I know there's lots of white dots on the mountain, so. It, 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 it might be pretty good over there too. Yeah. I mean, on the far side, which we didn't get to, I, I would be willing to bet there was 50, I would say there was 50 total goats in that little area that I could see that we were at. And then obviously, you know, some of those were a couple miles away. So I wasn't really like, you know, diving into the minutia of the size. I just knew there were big bodies with, you know, big black horns. But on the closer stuff, like I said, there was at least four in that area. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit of a kick in the ding-ding getting in there. But some of that was my fault. When we were going in the way that you had had told me to, there ended up being a pile of goats on that approach. So we had kind of cut left and went right up the middle. And I think you had mentioned don't do that because it's going to suck. And it did. Um, we didn't have much of a choice, but going right up the gut was not cool. Um, you know how that is, the veggie belay with face deep. Right. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, but yeah, cool, cool. Well, you know, it when we're, you know, if we're trying to figure out, like you and I are, you know, are, are both of the same mind. We want to go and see what's on the next side of the hill and what new adventure is out there. And I know you have the same blood running through your veins that I do. So I just don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll see. I'll, I'll get in there and see if maybe I can build an airstrip, a wheel strip on the other side. And it would be kind of nice if you could 
hunt your way through. It would be a, I, I guess that'd be about a 10 mile walk, but if you could do it and hunt from one end to the other, oh my goodness, that'd be a lot of fun. You certainly could. I mean, when I say it's not, once you're up there, it's not that bad, like moving around in that one, uh, you know, getting, you know, kind of maneuvering through there. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not going to kill you. Like you'd have to have the right, you know, client for sure. But I, I was just amazed But how many damn goats were there. Um, I would think that lower area has probably got to be pretty good for moose, but you almost, your moose hunting so good, you really don't have to take, uh, I don't want to make it sound easier than it is, but it, you don't, ha- you don't have to go that far away for, for moose because your moose hunting is pretty amazing in the rut, isn't it? Well, you you do you remember where I I dropped you off on that little creek, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I uh, after you left, I put my son in there to to go and hunt a moose, and they got a sixty-one inch, uh, I think two hundred and ten Boone and Crockett moose from literally from where your tent was sitting about 30 yards away, 40 yards, something like that. Oh, from not where, where you dropped us off, not where we, we camped, but where we would have camped, I guess, before we took off up the hill. Uh, well, you never overnighted there? No, no. We hiked in right after you dropped us off. Okay. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure where I dropped you off, you know, we came around the corner, yeah. we docked the plane, we walked up. Yeah, right there. They <laughs> they, they they got a huge moose. <laughs> well, that looks like about as good a moose country as you can get, but you you have pretty pretty amazing moose hunting in in general, it seemed like. I mean, what what are usually what are the average sizes and what's the hunt look like cuz you've got little you've got little base camps or whatever that you can drop guys off on. Right, right. We we've got uh I think 17 different cabin sites plus, you know, there's places we put up tents and stuff like that and, and go and hunt. I've got, I have no idea how many lakes or I have available to land on probably 40 plus all the wheel strips that I can land on for moose. The, the, harvesting we we usually take about a dozen moose or so a year we could very reasonably take 24 25 bulls out of there and never never touch the the population of moose at all uh there's yeah we've got a good age structure i would say our average is somewhere oh between 190 and 200 Boone and Crockett. 195 is is um, Boone and Crockett for Canadian moose, and there's lots of years where our average is is above that. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like it, and I may stay up there longer uh, this year coming up and uh, get to see some of the different moose and caribou hunting. Um, the good thing when you can kill them that close, you don't have to pack them that far because that's the definite downside to moose is uh, they are not fun to, you know, to move around. What I was, I would imagine that's a cluster. What do you just tie in the quarters to your floats, or how you, how you getting them back normally, or do you just wedge them in the back? Oh, I usually just we we I I don't if if I can land close to them, I'd rather keep it on the bone 
because it's um, the, the meat ages much better. If you debone an animal, well, then we have to process it right away. Um, it, it just won't, you know, it'll turn green on you faster. Whereas on the bone, you can leave it hang in those mild temperatures we have at that time of year. You can leave it hang for a couple of weeks and no big deal. It'll crust over a little bit, but it'll be actually better meat at, for, for the, because we've hung it for a while. So I'll try and keep it on the bone. I can take, well, in a place like that, in that particular spot we were just talking about, I, I usually will take about a half a moose at a time because it's such a small takeoff area. I can get pretty much a whole moose in the, in, inside the plane, and then I'll just uh, tie the horns on the, on the floats or, or what have you on the wing strut and uh, fly them out. Um, I am... Yeah, I'm licensed for external loads up to 90 pounds. So um, whatever I can tie on the side of the plane, I do. So what's the biggest moose you've killed out of there? Uh, Boone and Crockett was, matter of fact, right close to where you were hunting. Well, up the way, um, about 10 miles from there, we harvested a 231 uh, moose a few years ago. Uh, that was the biggest moose we've taken. He was 64 or something like that wide. And 242 is the world record, just to give you an idea. Um, I have seen one moose in there that I'm, I'm certain would have broke the world record. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get them. Uh, my wife was guiding and she had an Austrian fella and she got him right up on this moose. And Oh my goodness, this thing, he was high forties in the pans. I would say 18 wide in the pans, at least 20, 20 points per side. Um, uh, you know, mid sixties, whatever. Um, and she got him right up on this bull, called him in, and the guy wouldn't take the shot because it would have had to have been a Texas heart shot. And he said, oh, no, we don't do that. And he let him walk away, and we never got on him again. And anybody from Texas knows that that's a killer shot, man. <laughs> yeah, I shot a whitetail like that once, died in 40 yards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, they take a couple little, few little bitty steps and fall over. I mean, they, you can't take that. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's funny. So, um, with uh, I wait when it get, like I don't want to go like too too into too, I, where can, I don't want to confuse people. What's the website? Um, you guys have a social media page as well, but uh, website wise, for people to check out the hunts, get a hold of you. What's the best place to do that? Uh, northriveroutfitting.com that'll get you there um, and you know you just look through what we have available look through uh, all the pictures if you have any questions just email us there's a link for that and we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have and then explain to people just so they know 
kind of the process? Because obviously I get, you know, people when you when you haven't ever done a hunt like this before, you're or you're newer to it, it it there's so many questions that that uh people have, which you know, I, I I get it, but it's it's a fairly smooth transition. Let you land in Smithers and then what happens from there? <clears throat> well, you can get your uh, uh Anywhere you fly in from anywhere in the world, you, you fly to Vancouver, then from Vancouver, you transfer over and you fly into Smithers. Yes. You would overnight there. And then the next morning we'll make arrangements to have you taken over to the back to the airport. Uh, we have to make arrangements because Smithers doesn't have a taxi, if you can believe that. So we'll have it all taken care of either way. Um, and then you'll get on the otter and fly to our camp. That'll be about an hour and a half, two hour flight. And from there we check the guns. One thing leads to another. I fly everybody out. We wait our six hours and we start hunting. Uh, depending on what you're hunting for. I mean, you, you might have a bit of a walk to, to get like if you're hunting sheep or goats, well, you, I, wherever I land you, most of the places we hunt goats, you have to, you know, walk uphill to get to them sort of thing. There is a few places where wherever we land, well, you'll be hunting them right there quite literally. So if there is a goat and you have to wait your six hours, it's a little frustrating, but those are the rules and we adhere to a, all the game laws. It's pretty simple to do, so uh, we, we wait our six hours and then go hunting. It's, you won't have any trouble. It's, if you've got one leg, I can still get you a goat. If you have one leg and want a moose, matter of fact, if you, I think if you've got two prosthetic legs, I think I can still get you a moose. (laughs) Caribou. Now sheep, I would recommend, no, I'm not your guy. Uh, but now, mind you, if I had, you know, a whole season full of one-legged guys, I think I'd have my work cut out for me. But I'm up for the challenge always anyway. And I've, I've had a numerous amount of, of people with, um, you know, missing legs and different ailments and stuff like that over the years. And I consider it kind of a privilege to be able to help fulfill these folks' dreams, you know. So it's, it comes with its own rewards. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, with that area, the, you know, the base camp's pretty cool. The sauna was nice. I spent too much time in that thing, but pretty cool accommodations. But when people, you know, head out, um, how long are the hunts? Like how, what's the goat, what's the sheep, moose, all that? Uh, well, a sheep hunt is 14 days. Um, our average is probably five days, uh, so we've we've got one, but then again, I've had guys that uh, on day fourteen they get one, and boy, that's you know it's a big relief because they've had their their struggle shirt on every day, which it does happen. I've had uh, a couple, well, one guy in particular that had to stay on a couple extra days, and he ended up getting his uh, his ram. But uh, the reason. So as we had like freak snowstorm and we got like two feet of snow in, in uh, early um, August 
and he wasn't able to get out of the tent really for about 10 days. So I kind of felt like, well, maybe we can give him a couple extra days and it sure made a difference. He, he, he got himself a great Ram and, and he was really happy. It's not good. You know, these, a lot of the guys come up. I mean, I, it depends on your financial status, this stuff. I want to make sure that I give you a hundred percent of, of what I have because whoever it is, they worked hard for the money to be able to afford to do this. And it's my job to see people's dreams come true. So as best I can, I'm going to continue to operate like that. And it, it makes it fun for everybody. Yeah. It's a good vibe up there. A good crew. You know, there's no, uh, everybody's pretty damn chill. I guess you could say like, it's pretty, pretty chill. Uh, when I say chill, like you built the gazebo, uh, which is a damn good place to hang out at night. The weather, you know, when I was up there was pretty, pretty dang mild. It was, it was nice. Now I only went in there till whatever the first week of September, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you got Wi-Fi, food's good. Everything's pretty chill. And, uh, you got, you know, a good crew of, of guides as well. When you, when these guys, you know, show up or whatever, um, and this is something I did on a different podcast, talked a little bit about, but it is, you're probably going to be there for the duration unless you have a lot of extra money to get flown out. And I've had that question before and it's not like an airport, right? You're landing on a strip in the middle of nowhere it's expensive to get those planes in and out of there. So when people want to fly home early, it's going to cost them a pretty significant amount of money. Um, and that's not you. That's that's the people flying in and out, for, you know, that you're using. Right, right. Yeah, I think you're looking at, uh, for what we are right now, oh, my goodness, an extra uh, five to 7,000, I'd say, to, to get an extra, to, to cut your trip short at the same time. Why would you want to do that? Uh, you know, as, as a kid, I don't care who you were as, as a kid, you dreamt of this outdoor experience and, and seeing, you know, you, 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 you get up in those mountains and the sun comes up and you think this is the greatest day of my life. I mean, look at this. It's God made this perfect why would you want to leave? Because, well, I got to get back to work. Hey, take it easy. Enjoy the ride. You know, the God's greatest gift to us is time. So take the time and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot to enjoy up there and the fishing's pretty dang good too. Um, you know, if you get back to, to camp, but I mean, once you're out there, even if you get your animal early, unless the weather's just horrible, it's not a horrible idea to just hang out on the mountain for a day or two extra and decompress either. Well, that's true. That's true. There's there. I got to admit <laughs> there are after that speech I just made about how great it is. Uh, believe me. And this happens to all of us, yourself included how many times have we sat there on the side of a mountain going, what am I doing here? This sucks. I mean, it's, it's wet, it's cold, it's sleeting and it's terrible. And, but all of a sudden the sun comes out and it warms up and you go, well, I know what I'm doing here. 
because this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> and it can change that fast. <laughs> but, you know, luckily for us, our memory allows us to forget all the bad stuff and just remember the good stuff. Yeah. Well, it is, it is funny how quick things can change. Um, whether that be the rain stops, you build a fire or a giant animal walks in front of you. Um, I think people do forget once they're out there that they did one, spend a lot of money to put a lot of effort into being there. And sometimes bad, bad weather or whatever can make people forget that, but it, it can change in a hurry. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, if it's real bad, we'll, you know, fly you out some cinnamon buns or something and all of a sudden it'll start getting better or or maybe you can make your way back to a cabin a few years ago i had uh um oh i got a couple different stories this this my daughter you had mentioned my daughter she is the toughest thing that you can imagine out there in the field so i had this one client he's coming out he's on this sheep hunt and he's hunted around the world quite a bit and I had failed to mention who his guide was going to be in. I flew him out. It was a, oh, a 45 minute flight from the, from the lodge and we land and out comes bouncing out this five foot four girl with a great big smile and big hair. If anybody knows my daughter, I know she's got big hair anyway. And this guy is, you know, passing all the luggage, we're unloading the plane and he's all excited to go and, and I said, well, this is, uh, this is your guide, Maguila. And you could see his face, the poor guy, it just dropped. And it's like, oh, man, you know, I've got a girl. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, before you say too much, it's is my daughter. Oh, okay. You know, so he didn't say much. And uh, he went out on his hunt. And... At the end of the hunt, when I flew back in to pick the guy up, he had killed, a, I think, a 166 ram and a goat, uh, probably a 52-inch goat. Um, and I had come and picked him up, and the guy just came over to me and gave me a great big hum, hug. And he said, I have hunted all over the world, and this is the best guide I have ever had. Thank you. So it makes you feel pretty good that, you know, I mean, I guess those regular beatings for my kids paid <laughs> off. Yeah, no, she's, she's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Her and Gaetano both are funny. She, um, yeah, she does have, uh, what would you, very thick wavy hair. It, uh, I'm trying to think the first time I met her, she looked like one of those bobblehead doll. I couldn't, what are those things called? The little, the little troll dolls. And I remember saying, Hey, you have hair like a little troll doll. And then she looked at me like she wanted yeah. to slap me. Um, she's, she is super funny. She's a good kid, like a really good kid. And you're right. One of, one of the tougher people on the planet, um, especially when it comes to putting a pack on the ground and just getting after it or pack on your back and getting after it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You put 120 pounds on her back and she will go up and down every day, day after day. Uh, another quick foot, footnote on her, she, a few years ago, usually I send the guides out about the 20th-ish of July to start scouting, uh, just to get in the field and to find sheep and this and that. And, uh, when it was 
when I picked her up, she had been, she had walked down to a cabin on the 7th of uh, October because there's two and a half feet of snow. She was done with her last caribou hunt. It was the first cabin she had been in in that time and she had not been back to the lodge the entire season. So I would just bring her new clients and she would keep going and going and going. How many guys can do that to live in a tent in those elements for two and a half months and not complain? I'm that's tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, you'd get some complaining out of me. Yeah. I was just say, no, I, uh, I definitely do not mind coming back every few days and, uh, recuperating. That's for, for sure. The one time she was out for quite a while, I was giving her crap when she got off the plane. I was like, you need to, you need to shower. You, you stink. And she, I can't, I got too much stuff to do. <laughs> I was like, it can wait for You can take a shower. It's fine. But she just, she's tough. She just gets after it. Yep. That's true. And Gaetano, he, she, he doesn't have the experience she does yet, but he is, is really, he's keen. He's, he, he wants to be the best at it. And he's quickly becoming one of the best, I think. He's good. He's funny. When we were on that last goat hunt, um, I don't, we, uh, well, you were actually, you were mad at us. I remember cause we got back to later. We didn't check in on time or something. I'm blaming, I'm blaming him, but, uh, it was like uh, <laughs> just pissing rain, you know, nothing like steep cliffs, whatever, but like, you know, going through chest deep brush, raining like crazy. And, uh, you know, he's always funny. I mean, he just doesn't, he burned his sock. So he was using a game bag for a sock, which probably would have killed me. So he had a game bag on one foot and then, um, you know, obviously all the gear and everything. We got back to camp and always in a good mood, super chill. Like the only thing is he has to eat like a horse. I will say that that's one of the very few people that eats more than I do. He has got to feed that engine. So he's eating all the time and a pretty incredible athlete as well. Um, he, I mean, he can go, he's, he can stay and he played, he played football for a while before he started guiding. Right. Yeah. He was really into his football. Um, <clears throat> and he, uh, I, I don't know what all happened. He got a scholarship and he went through all that and got an education, which I don't think the education, they don't teach him a lot. He got a business degree and they didn't teach him the first darn thing about business. So I'm, I'm kind of confused. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, but outside of that, he, he really loved his football and this and that. And, he decided just to start moving on to something else. And, um, you know, hopefully, I mean, he'll, he'll make a career of this or whatever he decides to do. I think he's going to be really good at it, but, uh, right now he's loving the guiding. That's for sure. And I know he sure enjoys working with you, Aaron. That's good. Yeah. We had a good time. He's super funny. I, I think, uh, I don't know how many if he realizes how many people I was cutting the kid's hair, uh, we had bet that we'd get him a goat, the camera, the camera guy. And, uh, he lost. So I cut his hair with my razor knife, which he was cool enough to let it do it on film. But I can't remember. Gaetano said, you look like some kid who lives in his basement that plays Nintendo games all day and jerks off or something. He's got a sense of humor. Um, I had had multiple people get a hold of me that he had met 
threw you guys up there when they saw that video and were like, oh, yeah, because he's just always happy, always talking shit, like just in a good mood. So it was fun working with him as well. And then, um, yeah, and then, you know, Maria, it's like a second mom, so she was always making sure I was staying out of trouble, which was nice. She probably got tired of me towards oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, she gets tired of me all the time. She still likes you. <laughs> well... She hasn't known me that long. I'm sure she'll get tired of me eventually. But no, I had a great time. I'm looking forward to getting back up there and helping out. And it's a nice break for me, as weird as that sounds. It's I, I need to be up there. That's I love that spot, that area, and then get way to decompress and just uh I think Itano thought I was crazy because he was like, You're just hanging out up here and you have multiple businesses. And I was like, Yeah. I just like to be outside and then I think call me an idiot, but I just enjoy it that much. So I appreciate you letting me hang out up there. Oh, it is a decompression. You know, I, 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 uh, you, you would think, and I know a lot of outfitters that, that, you know, well, I got to go up there. I got to go to work and this and that. And I'm not suggesting all of them are like that, but I, I, I miss it the day I leave. I miss it until the day I get back. I, I, I'll be back there the last day of April. Usually that's when I fly back up to the lodge and I'll, I'll spend all summer up there and I'll leave in mid October just to come do the whitetails. And when the whitetails are over, well, well, now comes the work because we need to go out there and we need to get all the paperwork, all the reporting done. We have to, um, convince you know uh, more more clients to to book with us and why would why would we be the best choice so we've got to convince them that well you know we'll we'll do our best for you the problem i have with booking and i've always had this problem uh it's telling the truth the way you see it here's something odd aaron people kind of want to be lied to and I don't want to lie to them. You know, how was your year? Well, the year, you know, it kind of sucked this year. I mean, we did really well. We, 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 you know, but some of our clients didn't tag out and that's, that's really unfortunate. The weather was bad. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to go book with the other guy. Cause he says it was awesome. Yeah. People don't want to hear the truth. It's not all sunshine and roses. Ask anybody who's been married three times. <laughs> well, I have. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> with that, though, I would say, though, you're pretty, I don't know. I get, I don't know, listening to you, you're, I guess, just more realistic. I mean, you don't over, you don't blow things out of proportion or, you know, it seemed to be fairly on time is exactly what people should expect, but... Yeah, people probably do like to yeah, lie too. Yeah, I, I want to be truthful. I, I want to be truthful. I want to tell them this is the upside, this is the downside, and we are going to get it done one way or another. Work with us. And if it, if it sucks, it sucks, and I'm going to own it. But I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to – gonna. it's not worth lying about. It's, it's just worth telling the truth and making sure that – that uh, everybody's on the same page. I, I, I feel a lot better. I sleep a lot better at night knowing that I'm going to give a hundred percent and I'm not going to let you go home disappointed, but I can't promise you it's going to be always 
sunny and beautiful and the winds are going to be blowing just the right way. Yeah, but they got enough time. You said that's only been a few times where they've been stormed in almost the whole time. The weather when I was up there was pretty pleasant, really, but um, a beautiful oh, yeah. country. It, it It's the rare occasion. You're right. You're right. It, it's, but, you know, it, it's, we all have to put our struggle shirt on sometime, but it'll work out. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, I wouldn't have been here for 45 years if it sucked all the time. I don't want to give you that impression. It's pretty awesome. And it's going to continue being awesome, hopefully, long after I'm gone. I, my mentality with the area that we have, it will be better when we leave than when we came. And I think if I left tomorrow, our concession is definitely better than, than when I was there just 14 years ago when we first bought it. So that's a good thing. No, definitely. Well, Ron, we're hitting an hour here. I don't want to take up your whole uh, morning, but I, I definitely, you had some cool stories. I loved your family. I loved hanging out up there. Um, always one thing nice with Ron, you don't ever have to worry about uh, wondering what's on his mind. And uh, <laughs> it was it made for some fun. <laughs> I had a good time when I was up there, dude. It was, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys. And I appreciate you uh, letting me come back up there this year coming up. But uh, I highly suggest for people to check it out. Um, you know, all of the hunting up there is amazing. I didn't get a chance as much on the moose and caribou, but definitely the mountain goat uh, and sheep were cool. I did a lot more of the mountain goat stuff. And I don't, I, I, some of the biggest goats I've ever seen, the world record couldn't have been shot more than 15 miles from you, a 60 inch goat. So big mountain goats up there and, and just a, a great place. So definitely people should check it out if they're looking at booking one of those hunts. Yeah. Well, and I really appreciate it. I sure enjoyed visiting with you this summer and, and look forward to doing it again this next year. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of the shows or something this year. Maybe, and, uh, maybe I, I'm not much of a show person, but I'll definitely swing by if I go. <laughs> well, I'm not much of a show person. My kid is though. Daikano loves the shows. Well, there you go. It's perfect then. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, All right, buddy. Well, thanks so much. I enjoyed visiting with you and, uh, I'll look forward to seeing you soon. Sounds good, man. Take it easy. All right.